0: You are listening to Reach MDXM, the channel for medical professionals. In addition to a long list of possible physical and psychological consequences that can result from anorexia nervosa, the disorder has the highest death rate for a psychiatric disease. One in 10 women with anorexia will die from starvation, cardiac arrest, or other medical complications. Today, we will talk about the important work of determining the most effective treatment of anorexia nervosa. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and joining me from New Jersey is my guest, Dr. G. Terrence Wilson. He is currently Oscar K. Burroughs, professor of psychology at Rutgers University, Dr. Wilson has co-authored a number of books, and he was a member of the American Psychiatric Association's Eating Disorders Work Group, which developed the diagnostic criteria for eating disorders in the DSM-IV. He currently serves on the National Institute of Health's Task Force on the Prevention and Treatment of Obesity. Welcome, Dr. Wilson.
1: I'm glad to be talking to you.
0: Dr. Wilson, one would think that perhaps depression or another more prevalent psychiatric disorder would have the highest death rate, but it is anorexia nervosa. It's a very dangerous condition, isn't it?
1: Well, it certainly is for a couple of reasons. One, of course, is the profound weight loss, which creates many severe medical complications. But remember also, anorexia nervosa, in fact, all the eating disorders are associated with other significant psychiatric disorders like depression. So it's not just the eating disorder, which is severe in and of itself. And of course, again, the weight loss and the consequences of starvation are very severe.
0: Could we just have a basic definition of anorexia nervosa? Since you helped to develop the criteria for the DSM section on eating disorders, I'm sure you can help us with that.
1: Well, the easiest way, again, there are a set of criteria. The easiest way to think about it is uh, in in terms of body weight. And in fact, the the criteria actually specify a body mass index of less than 17.5. So that's a dangerously low weight, dangerously low for both physical and psychological health. In addition to the weight criterion, there is a profound concern with body shape and weight, a fear of gaining weight, a fear of being fat. Uh, which is a very prominent feature of all the eating disorders, dissatisfaction with body shape and body weight.
0: Perhaps because of media coverage of celebrities and models with anorexia, it might seem more prevalent than it really is. It isn't that common, is it?
1: No, fortunately, uh, of the eating disorders, its prevalence is the lowest. But as you point out, it's it's very severe.
0: What do long-term studies tell us about recovery rates from anorexia?
1: I think there's still some dispute about this. Let me, first of all, talk about the specific treatment studies. When patients come into treatment studies, it's a disorder that's it's difficult to treat, especially uh, when it becomes chronic in adults. At that point, it's hard to say long-term how many people recover from the disorder. I, I couldn't give you a particularly reliable number. We do have a lot of difficulty in treating patients, no matter how long the, the, the treatment is. The time to get to anorexia nervosa, and I think this is a very important point, is in adolescence. Whether it's because the disorder is just beginning at that point, whether it's because it hasn't really taken hold and become chronic, the results with adolescence are quite promising at this point. So early detection, early identification, I think is really important.
0: Your recent article in American Psychologist points out that very little scientific research has been conducted on anorexia nervosa. Why has it been so difficult to study the treatment of this disorder?
1: Uh, it's a very good point that you make. In fact, compared to the other eating disorders, and especially compared to other psychiatric disorders like depression and anxiety disorders, there has been relatively little controlled research on anorexia nervosa. I think there's several reasons. One, as you pointed out, it's low prevalence. So if you're going to get a sufficient number of patients in order to do a good scientific trial, that probably means that you have to do what we call multi-site studies, have different hospitals, different medical schools, different centers collaborate, which certainly uh, is a model in medical research, but it's more complicated, it's more expensive. Second, it's a very difficult problem to treat. So it requires uh, a lot of resources. It requires a major commitment. I think those are some of the reasons why it's uh, not received as much research attention as one would want. There are initiatives currently. NIH, I think, is being committed the last several years to increasing research in this area. And I think over the next uh, 10 years, for example, we'll know a lot more.
0: Are they asking for specific types of research?
1: A variety of research from studies of genetic contributions to anorexia nervosa. In terms of the etiology, uh, it's almost certain that that uh, plays a major role. Specific information about the psychopathology of the eating disorder itself, and of course, treatment.
0: Dr. Wilson, tell us about the Maudsley model, the one form of family therapy that has been well studied.
1: This is a very promising development. Uh, it's a form of family therapy developed at the Maudsley Hospital at the Institute of Psychiatry in London in the United Kingdom. Prominent centers where this uh, treatment approach is being used and being studied include um, Stanford Medical School, Chicago, and Mount Sinai in New York. Without going into the details, this form of family therapy is somewhat different from the what I would say the relatively typical form of family therapy is in the United States. The parents, the family are brought in, are educated about the severity of their daughter. And I'll use daughter because there are more girls and young women who have eating disorders than men.
0: Right.
1: That this is a very severe disorder. The parents are are ultimately the authorities on, on getting their child to eat. And they're asked to be actively, directly involved in helping her eat regular meals at regular times with the, the uh, intensive assistance and direction of the therapy team.
0: Despite the fact that there's more abundant research on the Maudsley model, it's not necessarily the only efficacious therapy treatment for adolescents with anorexia. What are other treatments um, that have been found to be effective?
1: Well, there's some treatment. I wouldn't say there's a great deal of treatment. In fact, we need more treatment even on this particular approach. It's relatively new. Again, I think there's momentum building to study it. The results are promising and I would expect current ongoing studies and future studies to show in fact that it is effective. Other approaches that have been used that have not been studied enough to allow definitive conclusions <clears throat> include various types of individual psychotherapy. Cognitive behavior therapy, which we'll talk about a lot more when we, when we talk about bulimia nervosa, is one form of therapy. Interpersonal psychotherapy, a variety of uh, psychodynamic approaches have been used. Pretty much uh, everything has been tried, including pharmacological treatment, uh, specifically the use of antidepressant medication.
0: Are any medications recommended in the treatment of anorexia?
1: As I read the literature, there is no good evidence <clears throat> that uh, antidepressant medications have a specific effect on the eating disorder. They might be helpful for comorbid conditions like anxiety and depression. A relatively recent study came out a year or two years ago combined study between Toronto and Columbia Presbyterian in New York that studied fluoxetine in the treatment of uh, anorexia nervosa, and the results were disappointing.
0: When uh, researchers took a look at cognitive behavioral therapy and um, tried to compare it with medication or nutritional counseling, what did they find?
1: One of the surprises is how little research has been done on cognitive behavior therapy, which is a form of treatment that I And trained in myself, you would think it would be a very good candidate because, as we'll discuss, it's currently the recommended treatment for bulimia nervosa. It's been shown to be very effective in disorders like depression and anxiety disorders, but very little work has been done on it. I was involved in uh, one study headed by a colleague of mine, Kathy Pike, uh, at Columbia University. And in that study, patients who had been treated uh, on an inpatient ward, once they were improved and their weight had been restored, when they were discharged, They entered either a one-year treatment period of, of cognitive behavior therapy, individual therapy, or nutritional counseling. And what that one year showed was the patients who had been randomly assigned to cognitive behavior therapy... Uh, maintain the improvement they had made as inpatients to a much greater degree than the patients who received nutritional counseling.
0: Given that there's uh, such a lack of research out there, and of the research that is out there, I-, I thought it was surprising that to see that none of the treatments that have been studied is actually very effective with long-standing anorexia. What are your recommendations for studies that will help us understand which treatment is most effective?
1: Uh, Well, again, I would start with adolescence, and the earlier you get this problem, uh, the better. I think most clinicians would agree on this, and so we should study adolescence. More studies are in the works. The Maudsley family therapy certainly looks promising, but there are other possibilities. For example, cognitive behavior therapy done on an individual basis would seem to be a good candidate for additional work, And there might uh, well be other forms of uh, psychological um, therapy um, that would be helpful. Uh, We need to be able to develop big enough studies where we have large sample sizes that you can really test these treatments. That's been an obstacle to research in the past.
0: Um, Increased identification um, with the disorder sometimes occurs when patients are treated on an inpatient basis. What can you tell us about inpatient treatment for anorexia?
1: Well, I don't have that much experience uh, in it uh, personally, but if you look at the literature, few of the programs have been critically evaluated in, uh, in a controlled manner. Several inpatient facilities have reported promising results, uh, and it might well be that there are effective treatments that are being used. It would be desirable for us to evaluate them more formally uh, so that we would be able to identify exactly what components seem to be critical and then be able to build on that.
0: Well, it sounds like there's a lot of work to be done it to It
1: certainly is.
0: Thank you for listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest has been Dr. G. Terrence Wilson, professor of psychology at Rutgers University and expert in eating disorders. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Wilson.
1: My pleasure.
0: For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.